From Eric Public Media and the Alaska Ice Corporation, this is the podcast Wikiredia, wherein we read from start to finish without comment or commentary the Wikipedia entries that we find most interesting. Today's topic, U.S. Airways Flight 1549. The original Wikipedia page lives at www.wikipedia.org slash wiki slash US underscore airways underscore flight underscore 1549. And we're tapping into this text under the Creative Commons license, which permits adaptation and retransmission of original work provided attribution is made. Wikiredia is similarly distributed under the same Creative Commons license. One last thing before we start. We want to know what your favorite Wikipedia pages are. Please send suggestions for future episodes to wikiredia at pm.me. This is U.S. Airways Flight 1549, Wikiredia episode number 301, date of production February 11th, 2023, and I'm your host, Eric Gorris. Let's get started. U.S. Airways Flight 1549 was a regularly scheduled U.S. Airways flight from New York City LaGuardia Airport to Charlotte and Seattle in the United States. On January 15, 2009, the Airbus A320 serving the flight struck a flock of birds shortly after takeoff from LaGuardia, losing all engine power. Given their position in relation to the available airports and their low altitude, pilots Chesley Sully Sullenberger and Jeffrey Skiles decided to glide the plane to ditching in the Hudson River off Midtown Manhattan. All 155 people on board were rescued by nearby boats with only a few serious injuries. The media quickly dubbed this water landing of a powerless jetliner with no deaths, quote, the miracle on the Hudson, and a National Transportation Safety Board official described it as, quote, the most successful ditching in aviation history. Through, though the board found that ditching could have been avoided by returning to LaGuardia, it affirmed the ditching as providing the highest probability of survival given the circumstances. The pilots and flight attendants were awarded the Master's Medal of the Guild of Air Pilots and Air Navigators in recognition of their, quote, heroic and unique aviation achievement. The incident was dramatized in the 2016 film Sully, starring Tom Hanks as Sullenberger. Background. On January 15, 2009, U.S. Airways Flight 1549, with call sign Cactus 1549, was scheduled to fly from New York City's LaGuardia Airport to Charlotte Douglas International Airport in Charlotte, North Carolina, with direct onward service to Seattle Tacoma International Airport. The aircraft was an Airbus A320 214, powered by two CFM International CFM 56. Dash 5B4-P turbofan engines. The captain and pilot in command was 54-year-old Chesley Sully Sullenberger, a former fighter pilot who had been an airline pilot since leaving the United States Air Force in 1980. At the time, he had logged 19,663 total flight hours, including 4,765 in an A320. He was also a glider pilot and expert on aviation safety. First Officer Jeffrey Skiles, aged 49, had accrued 20,700 
727 career flight hours with 37 in an A320, but this was his first A320 assignment as pilot flying. There were 150 passengers and three flight attendants on board. Takeoff and Bird Strike The flight was cleared for takeoff to the northeast from LaGuardia's runway 4 at 3.24.56pm Eastern Standard Time. With Skiles in control, the crew made its first report after becoming airborne at 3.25.51pm as being 700 feet and climbing. The weather at 2.51 was 10 miles visibility with broken clouds at 3,700 feet, wind 8 knots from compass heading 290. An hour later, it was few clouds at 4,200 feet, wind 9 knots from compass heading 310. At 3.26.37 p.m., Sullenberger remarked to Skiles, what a view of the Hudson today. At 3.27.11 p.m., during climb-out, the plane struck a flock of Canada geese at an altitude of 2,818 feet, about 4.5 miles north-northwest of LaGuardia. The pilot's view was filled with the large birds. Passengers and crew heard very loud bangs and saw flames from the engines, followed by silence and the odor of fuel. Realizing that both engines had shut down, Sullenberger took control while Skiles worked the checklist for engine restart. The aircraft slowed, but continued to climb for another 19 seconds, reaching an altitude of 3,060 feet at an airspeed of about 185 knots. Then began a glide descent, accelerating to 210 knots at 3.28.10 p.m. as it ascended through 1,650 feet. At 3.27.33 p.m., Sullenberg radioed a mayday call to New York Terminal Radar Airport Control, saying, quote, This is Cactus 1539, comma, hit birds. We've lost thrust on both engines. We're turning back towards LaGuardia. Air traffic controller Patrick Harton told LaGuardia's tower to hold all departures and directed Sullenberger back to runway 31. Sullenberger responded, unable. Sullenberger asked controllers for landing options in New Jersey, mentioning Teterboro Airport. Permission was given for Teterboro's runway 1. Sullenberger initially responded yes, but then said, we can't do it. We're gonna be in the Hudson. The aircraft passed less than 900 feet above the George Washington Bridge. Sullenberger commanded over the cabin address system to brace for impact, and the flight attendants relayed the command to passengers. Meanwhile, air traffic controllers asked the Coast Guard to caution vessels in the Hudson and asked them to prepare to assist with rescue. Cactus 15.9, turn left heading 270. Uh, this is uh, Cactus 15.39, hit birds through lost thrust on both engines, returning back towards LaGuardia. Okay, uh, you need to return to LaGuardia. Turn left heading of uh, 220. 220. Tire, stop your departure, he's got emergency returning. Cactus 15.29, he, he uh, bird strike, he lost all engine. he lost the thrust in the engines, he's returning immediately. Cactus 15.29, which engines? He lost thrust in both engines, he said. Got it. Cactus 15.29, 
if we can get it for you, do you want to try to land 1913? 1913, we may end up in the Hudson. Joint 2760, turn left 070. 070, joint 2760. Hi, Cactus Ditching and evacuation. About 90 seconds later, at 3.31 p.m., the plane made an unpowered ditching, descending southwards at about 125 knots into the middle of the North River section of the Hudson Tidal Estuary on the New York State side of the state line, roughly opposite West 50th Street, near the intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum in Manhattan and Port Imperial in Weehawken, New Jersey. Flight attendants compared the ditching to a hard landing with one impact, no bounce, then a gradual deceleration. The ebb tide then began to take the plane southward. Sullenberger opened the cockpit door and gave the order to evacuate. The crew began evacuating the passengers through the four overwing window exits and into an inflatable slide raft deployed from the front right passenger door. The front left slide failed to operate, so the manual inflation handle was pulled. The evacuation was made more difficult by the fact that someone opened the rear left door, allowing more water to enter the plane. Whether this was a flight attendant or a passenger is disputed. 
Water was also entering through a hole in the fuselage and through cargo doors that had come open. So as the water rose, the attendant urged passengers to move forward by climbing over seats. One passenger was in a wheelchair. Finally, Sullenberger walked the cabin twice to confirm that it was empty. The air and water temperatures were about 19 degrees Fahrenheit and 41 degrees Fahrenheit, respectively. Some evacuees waited for rescue knee-deep water on the partially submerged slides, some wearing life vests. Others stood on the wings or, fearing an explosion, swam away from the plane. One passenger, after helping with the evacuation, found the wing so crowded that he jumped into the river and swam to a boat. Rescue. Sullenberger had deliberately ditched the airliner near boats in order to facilitate rescue. Two New York waterway ferries arrived within minutes and began taking people aboard using a Jason's cradle. Numerous other boats, including from the U.S. Coast Guard, were quickly on the scene as well. Sullenberger advised the ferry crews to rescue those on the wings first as they were in more jeopardy than those on the slides, which detached to become life rafts. The last person was taken from the plane at 3.55 p.m. About 140 New York City firefighters responded to nearby docks, as did police, helicopters, and various vessels and divers. Other agencies provided medical help on the Weehawken side of the river, where most passengers were taken. Aftermath. Passengers and crew sustained 95 minor and five serious injuries, including a deep laceration in the leg of one of the flight attendants. 78 people received medical treatment, mostly for minor injuries and hypothermia. 24 passengers and two rescuers were treated at hospitals, with two passengers kept overnight. Eye damage from jet fuel caused one passenger to need glasses. No pets were being carried on the flight. Each passenger later received a letter of apology, $5,000 in compensation for lost baggage, and $5,000 more if they could demonstrate larger losses, and refund of their ticket price. In May 2009, they received any belongings that had been recovered. Passengers also reported offers of $10,000 each in return for agreeing not to sue U.S. Airways. Many passengers and rescuers later experienced post-traumatic stress symptoms such as sleeplessness, flashbacks, and panic attacks. Some began an email support group. Patrick Harton, the controller who worked the flight, said that the hardest, most traumatic part of the entire event was when it was over, and that he was gripped by raw moments of shock and grief. In an effort to prevent similar accidents, officials captured and gassed 1,235 Canada geese at 17 locations across New York City in mid-2009 and coated 1,739 goose eggs with oil to smother the developing goslings. As of 2017, 70,000 birds have been intentionally killed in New York City as a result of the ditching. N-106 U.S., the accident aircraft, was purchased by the Carolinas Aviation Museum in Charlotte, North Carolina, where it and the plane's engines were put on display.
Investigation. The partially submerged plane was towed downstream and moored to appear near the World Financial Center in Lower Manhattan, roughly four miles from the ditching location. On January 17th, the aircraft was taken by barge to New Jersey. The left engine, which had been detached from the aircraft by the ditching, was recovered from the riverbed on January 23rd. The initial National Transportation Safety Board evaluation that the plane had lost thrust after a bird strike was confirmed by analysis of the cockpit voice and flight data recorders. It was found in the investigation that two days prior to the accident, the aircraft had experienced a compressor stall on the right engine, but the engine had restarted and the flight completed. A faulty temperature sensor was found to be the cause of the compressor stall. This sensor had been replaced and the inspection also verified that the engine had not been damaged in that incident. On January 21st, the NTSB found evidence of damage from a soft body impact in the right engine along with organic debris including a feather. The left engine also evidenced soft body impact with dents on both spinner and inlet lip of the engine cowling. Five booster inlet guide vanes are fractured and eight outlet guide vanes were missing. Both engines, missing large portions of their housings, were sent to the manufacturer for examination. On January 31st, the plane was moved to Kearney, New Jersey. The bird remains were later identified by DNA testing to be Canada geese, which typically weigh more than the engines are designed to withstand ingesting. Since the plane had been assembled in France, the European Aviation Safety Agency, the Bureau of Inquiry and Analysis for Civil Aviation Safety, both joined the investigation. With technical assistance from Airbus and GE Aviation, respectively, the manufacturers of the airframe and the engines. The NTSB used flight simulators to test the possibility that the flight could have returned safely to LaGuardia or diverted to Teterboro. Only seven of the 13 simulated returns to LaGuardia succeeded and only one of the two to Teterboro. Furthermore, the NTSB reported calling these situations unrealistic. Quote, the immediate turn made by the pilots during the simulations did not reflect or account for real world considerations, such as the time delay required to recognize the bird strike and decide on a course of action. A further simulation, in which a 35-second delay was inserted to allow for those, crashed. In testimony before the NTSB, Sullenberger maintained that there had been no time to bring the plane to any airport and that attempting to do so would likely have killed those on board and more on the ground. The board ultimately ruled that Sullenberger had made the correct decision, reasoning that the checklist for dual engine failure is designed for higher altitudes when pilots have more time to deal with the situation, and that while simulators showed the plane might have just barely made it back to LaGuardia, those scenarios assumed an instant decision to do so, with no time allowed for assessing the situation. On May 4th, this announcer's birthday, in the year 2010, the NTSB issued its final report, which identified the probable cause as, quote, the ingestion of large birds into each engine, which resulted in an almost total loss of thrust in both engines. The final report credited the outcome to four factors, good decision-making by the teamwork and cockpit crew, including decisions to immediately turn on the APU and to ditch in the Hudson, that the A320 is certified for extended overwater operation and hence carried life vests and additional rafts and slides, even though not required for that route, the performance of the flight crew during the evacuation and the proximity of working vessels to the ditching site.
Contributing factors were good visibility and fast response times from the ferry operators and emergency responders. The report made 34 recommendations, including that engines be tested for resistance to bird strikes at low speeds, development of checklists for dual engine failures at low altitude, and changes to checklist design in general, quote, to minimize the risk of flight crew members becoming stuck in an inappropriate checklist or portion of a checklist, improved pilot training for water landings, provision of life vests on all flights, regardless of route, and changes to the locations of vests and other emergency equipment, research into improved wildlife management, and technical innovations on aircraft to reduce bird strikes, research into possible changes in passenger brace positions, and research into methods of overcoming passengers' inattention during pre-flight safety briefings. Author and pilot William Longweish asserted that insufficient credit was given to the A320's fly-by-wire design, by which the pilot uses a side stick to make control inputs to the flight control computers. The computers then impose adjustments and limits of their own to keep the plane stable, which the pilot cannot override even in an emergency. This design allowed the pilots of Flight 1549 to concentrate on engine restart and deciding the course, without the burden of manually adjusting the glide path to reduce the plane's rate of descent. However, Sullenberger said that these computer-imposed limits also prevented him from achieving the optimal landing flare for the ditching, which would have softened the impact. awards and honors. An NTSB board member called the ditching, quote, the most successful in aviation history. These people knew what they were supposed to do, and they did it, and as a result, no lives were lost. New York State Governor David Patterson called the incident, quote, a miracle on the Hudson. U.S. President George W. Bush said that he was, quote, inspired by the skill and heroism of the flight crew and praised the emergency responders and volunteers. President-elect Barack Obama said that everyone was proud of Sullenberger's, quote, heroic and graceful job in landing the damaged aircraft. He thanked the crew, whom he invited to his inauguration five days later. The Guild of Air Pilots and Air Navigators awarded the crew the rarely bestowed Master's Medal on January 22, 2009 for Outstanding Aviation Achievement and at the discretion of the Master of the Guild. New York City Mayor Bloomberg presented the crew with keys to the city and Sullenberger with a replacement copy of a library book lost on the flight, Sidney Decker's Just Culture, Balancing Safety and Accountability. Rescuers received certificates of honor. The crew received a standing ovation at Super Bowl 43 on February 1, 2009, and Sullenberger threw the ceremonial first pitch of the 2009 Major League Baseball season for the San Francisco Giants. His Giants jersey was inscribed with the name Sully and the number 155, the count of people aboard the plane. On January 28th, passengers Dave Sanderson and Barry Leonard organized a thank you luncheon for emergency responders from Hudson County, New Jersey, on the shores of Palisades Medical Center in North Bergen, New Jersey, where 57 passengers had been brought following their rescue. Present were members of the U.S. Coast Guard, North Hudson Regional Fire and Rescue, New York Waterway Ferries, the American Red Cross, Weehawken Volunteer First Aid, and the Weehawken Police Department 
and West New York EMS, North, Ber North Bergen EMS, the Hudson County Office of Emergency Management, the New Jersey EMS Task Force, the Gutenberg Police Department, McCabe Ambulance, the Harrison Police Department, and doctors and nurses who treated survivors. Sullenberger was named Grand Marshal for the 2010 Tournament of Roses Parade in Pasadena, California. In August 2010, aeronautical chart publisher Jeppesen in, issued a humorous approach plate titled Hudson Miracle APCH, dedicated to the five crew of Flight 1549 and annotated, quote, presented with pride and gratitude from your friends at Jeppesen. Sullenberger retired on March 3, 2010, after 30 years with U.S. Airways and its predecessor, Pacific Southwest Airlines. At the end of his final flight, he was reunited with Skiles and a number of passengers from Flight 1549. In 2013, the entire crew was inducted into the International Air and Space Hall of Fame at the San Diego Air and Space Museum. Media Sullenberger's 2009 memoir, Highest Duty, My Search for What Really Matters, was adopted into the feature film Sully, directed by Clint Eastwood. It starred Tom Hanks as Sullenberger and Aaron Eckhart as co-pilot Jeff Skiles. It was released by Warner Brothers on September 9, 2016. It was featured in an episode of the TV show Mayday with the title Hudson River Runway. The episode is from Season 10, Episode 5. It is featured in Season 1, Episode 1 of the TV show, Why Planes Crash. Notes A. AWE-1549, also designated under a Star Alliance codeshare agreement as United Airlines Flight 1919, UA-1919. B. Delivered in 1999, the plane, registered N-106US, was one of 74 A320s then in service at U.S. Airways. At the time of the accident, its airframe had logged 16,299 flights, totaling 25,241 flight hours. And the engines? 19,182 and 26,466 hours. The last A check performed every 550 flight hours was passed on December 6, 2008, and the last C check annual comprehensive inspection on April 19, 2008. The airframe was delivered to U.S. Airways in August 1999. At the time of the accident, the aircraft was 9.6 years old. C. The engines are the primary source of electrical and hydraulic power for aircraft flight control systems, but an auxiliary power unit, APU, can provide backup electrical power and a ram air turbine can be deployed in the airstream to provide backup hydraulic pressure and electrical power at certain speeds. Both the APU and the ram air turbine were operating as the plane descended onto the river. D. The Airbus A320 has a control that closes valves and other openings in the fuselage in order to slow flooding after a water landing, but the pilots did not activate it. Sullenberger later said this would have made little difference since the water impact tore substantial holes in the fuselage. E. 
A serious injury is defined as any injury that, one, requires hospitalization for more than 48 hours, starting within seven days from the date that the injury was received, two, results in a fracture of any bone except simple fractures of fingers, toes, or the nose, three, causes severe hemorrhages or nerve muscle or tendon damage, four, involves any internal organ, or five, involves second or third degree burns or any burns affecting more than 5% of the body's surface. A minor injury is defined as any injury that does not qualify as a fatal or serious injury. That's it for today's episode of Wikiredia. Look, before you go, be sure to hit subscribe, follow us on Twitter at It's Wikiredia, and tell your friends. What do you want to listen to? Send topic ideas to our email, which is wikiredia at pm.me. Our producer and narrator, that's me, is Eric Gorris. Our engineer is OJ Tingles, and our content editor is Johnny Rocketship. We ask you to support this show by following and sharing, but more importantly, just listening. We also ask that you do your part to support Wikipedia itself by considering a donation to the Wikipedia Foundation. That can be done at wikipedia.org. All, or at least the vast majority, of the words spoken on this show are from the text of Wikipedia entries, and we're using those words under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license, which grants us, and in fact anyone, the right to adapt the original work remix it, and then to distribute and transmit the work even for commercial purposes. This license requires that we name the author of the original work, which in this case is Wikipedia. Wikiredia itself is also distributed under the same Creative Commons attribution, Sharealike 3.0 license. Wikiredia is a production of Eric Public Media and the Alaska Ice Corporation.